with deep state operatives all over the government at all levels going completely wild and getting totally out of control, Americans need constitutional solutions to rein in this madness. We've got the Supreme Court declaring that you have a right to murder your baby that they found in the penumbras of the Constitution. We've got them redefining and undefining marriage. We've got them making a mockery of, const of the Constitution at every level. We've got state governors uh, ordering us to put stuff on our face and to do that and do this and go there and you can't open your business. Uh, we have got to find uh, constitutional solutions to this. Fortunately, we have one. It's called nullification. Stay tuned to learn more. So nullification is one of the most important tools we have available to us today uh, to resist the crazy government schemes of deep staters within our federal and our state governments. So we need to understand this tool. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, who was one of the, the key founding fathers, he actually was one of the main authors behind the Declaration of Independence. Uh, he said that nullification was the rightful remedy for federal abuses. And so we ought to know what it is, right? Your average American today has no clue. And there's other uses of the term nullification. Sometimes people refer to it as jury nullification, right? If, if a, a prosecutor is trying to get somebody convicted of, uh, for a crime that shouldn't be a crime or whatever, uh, sometimes people call it jury nullification for the jury to nullify that. What I want to talk about in particular is uh, state governments interposing on behalf of the people of their state and the federal government when the federal government does crazy things, or local governments and sheriffs standing between uh, out-of-control state-level edicts and officials and governors and legislatures and their people. So these are, are crucial, crucial issues, and this is an amazing tool that has been used throughout our history to rein in lawlessness and tyranny. Now, advocates of totalitarian centralized government control, they try to demonize nullification, and, and interestingly, one of the their main tools to demonize nullification is, oh, well, the South used nullification during the Civil War, and therefore, uh, you guys lost, and we can't have nullification anymore. Baloney. Right? It's a total reversal of history, and I'm going to show you why. Uh, in the real world, state nullification of federal laws was one of the reasons why the southern states decided to secede, okay? Uh, I'll give you an example. In the um, South Carolina Declaration of Immediate Causes regarding the reasons why they decided to secede from the Union, uh, they blasted the northern states for seceding or for nullifying federal statutes purporting to require that states uh, participate in catching uh, slaves that had run away without any due process and then sending them back to their owners in the South. And so in this declaration, uh, the South Carolina declared that uh, an increasing hostility on the part of non-slaveholding states to the institution of slavery has led to a disregard of their obligations and the laws of the general government have ceased to affect the objects of the Constitution. So according to the real history of the Civil War, uh, uh, nullification was actually a tool used by northern states to help um, nullify incredibly ridiculous, unconstitutional federal laws demanding that slaves be returned to their owners without any due process by the states in the North. They said, no, we're not going to enforce those laws. Those are stupid laws. Those are unconstitutional laws. Not going to happen. And South Carolina was really mad. They said, well, fine, we're leaving the Union then. Okay, right? So not only did uh, the Southern states not use nullification uh, during and before the uh, in the run-up to the Civil War, they were actually mad about the Northern states using nullification nullification. In fact, one of the most uh, famous instances of the use of nullification was when the state of Wisconsin uh, openly defied a federal law, the Fugitive Slave Act, purporting to require 
that uh, runaway slaves be returned to their masters in the South. They said, nope, we're not going to enforce that. We are uh, actually going to resist that. We're going to nullify that. Uh, and so in particular, these uh, southern states blasted Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New York, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Iowa, because those states have, quote, enacted laws which either nullify the acts of Congress or render useless any attempt to execute them. That's in their official declaration of why they seceded, okay? Uh, they said, uh, in many of these states, the fugitive is discharged from service or labor claimed. Thus, the constituted compact has been deliberately broken and disregarded by the non-slaveholding states. So actually, if you want to be mad at somebody uh, over um, nullification, you should be mad at the northern states who are defending free slaves. And good luck with that one, okay? Uh, so anyways... Nullification has a long and incredible history in America. Now, the totalitarians also claim that, well, you know, the U.S. Constitution has the supremacy clause in Article 6, uh, and I'll quote that to you in just a minute. They say, well, because of that supremacy clause, nullification can't happen. This federal law is supreme over state law, always and everywhere, and therefore we have a total, all-powerful central government. Well, let me read to you what Article 6 in the Constitution actually says. It says, quote, this Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, shall be the supreme law of the land. Now, let's rewind a little bit. Does that say that all federal laws passed by Congress and signed by the president are the supreme law of the land? No, right? And a fifth grader could probably tell you that. It says all laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, right? as in in pursuance thereof with the Constitution. If they are unconstitutional laws, which many of the statutes being passed by the Congress are unconstitutional laws, uh, and many of the lawless rulings by the Supreme Court, including the uh, alleged right to murder your unborn babies, um, you know, these are clearly, clearly usurpations of power. There's no constitutional authority for any of these statutes, for any of these lawless Supreme Court rulings, and that means those laws were not made in pursuance thereof, and that means they are unconstitutional, and that means the states have not just a right to resist these unconstitutional rulings and unconstitutional statutes, but a duty to do so. And don't take my word for it, right? The Tenth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution is also very clear. It says that, um, that powers not delegated to the United States, not delegated to the central government, uh, to it by the states are reserved to the states or the people, right? So if the states and the people did not give the federal government a particular power in the U.S. Constitution, the federal government doesn't have that power. That means the states retain that power, and therefore the states are not only not obligated uh, to obey unconstitutional federal rulings and laws. They are, in my view and in the view of many of our founders, duty-bound to resist them, right? Um, obviously, these cannot be the supreme law of the land. They're not even legitimate. And our and our and the framers of our Constitution understood this. Even the the pro huge central government framers understood this, right? This is what uh, Alexander Hamilton wrote in uh, the Federalist Number Seventy Eight. And it, mind you, he was a proponent of the Constitution and a proponent of a very powerful central government. He said there is no position which depends on clearer principles than that every act of a delegated authority, contrary to the tenor of the commission under which it is exercised is void. No legislative act, therefore, contrary to the Constitution, can be valid. Got it, guys? Any laws that are not constitutional, that are not made in pursuance thereof, are unconstitutional. Federal law is not, by definition, supreme over state law. Constitutional federal laws are supreme over state laws, not unconstitutional laws. Unconstitutional laws are not even valid, right? 
Uh, Alexander Hamilton made a similar argument in The Federalist No. 33. He said, if a number of political societies enter into a larger political society, the laws which the latter may enact, pursuant to the powers entrusted to it by its constitution, must necessarily be supreme over those societies and the individuals of whom they are composed. But it will not follow from this doctrine that acts of the large society, which are not pursuant to its constitutional powers, but which are invasions of the residuary authorities of the smaller societies, will become the supreme law of the land. These will be merely acts of usurpation and will deserve to be treated as such. So even Alexander Hamilton, right, the advocate of a big, powerful federal government, said any law that's made that's not constitutional uh, is not a law at all. He says it should be treated as a usurpation. So when the federal government passes a law saying that we need to have more gun control, um, Alexander Hamilton would have said, no, we should treat that as the usurpation that it is. And if the feds try to enforce it, the state governments have an obligation to step in and resist, right? Uh, other founding fathers, including the uh, father of our constitution, James Madison, was also very, very clear on this. I want to read to you from uh, Federalist number 46, where he said that uh, state governments possess a means of opposition to overreach. He says, refusal to cooperate with the officers of the union is a critical uh, power retained by the states as a means of opposition to the federal government getting out of control. And he says, quote, in case of a deliberate, palpable, and dangerous exercise of other powers not granted by the said compact, by the Constitution, the states who are a party thereto have the right and are in duty bound to interpose for arresting the progress of the evil and for maintaining within their respective limits the authorities, rights, and liberties appertaining to them. That is James Madison, the guy who literally wrote the Constitution in what was called the Virginia Resolution of 1798. This is when uh, Virginia and Kentucky uh, nullified the uh, Alien and Sedition Act, which was uh, acts which were unconstitutional, uh, completely unconstitutional. And um, I want to read to you also from the Kentucky Resolutions, which was uh, similar, written by Thomas Jefferson. This was passed by the Kentucky legislature in 1798 uh, on November 10th. And again, it was written by Thomas Jefferson in response to the Unconstitutional Alien and Sedition Acts. Here's what they said. Where powers are assumed which have not been delegated, a nullification of the act is the rightful remedy. That every state has a natural right in cases not within the compact, causas non foderis, to nullify of their own authority all assumption of power by others within their limits. That without this right, they would be under the dom dominion, absolute and unlimited, of whosoever might exercise this right of judgment for them. So... The guy, the main guy who wrote our Declaration of Independence and the main guy who wrote our uh, Constitution said that when a, the federal government passes unconstitutional acts or opinions or rulings or edicts, uh, the states not only have a right to resist and to refuse to obey those state those uh, federal laws or opinions, they have a duty. Thomas Jefferson said the rightful remedy to these usurpations is not to beg the federal government to stop. It's not to ask the Supreme Court to uh, you know declare it unconstitutional. It's for the state governments to say no, not going to happen. You have usurped your power, uh, and this is common sense, guys. If I sign um, a contract with somebody and they don't obey their end of the contract, I have a right to uphold my rights under the contract. And the states created a contract, they created a compact, the Constitution, where they delegated certain powers to the federal government. If the federal government usurps powers that were never given to it, then the states who created that federal government have a right and a duty 
to resist that. Now, uh, we've had some flawed uh, legal opinions by federal courts that purport to make the federal government the sole arbiter of uh, the constitutionality of its own actions, uh, but this is ridiculous. And even the federal courts have found that uh, the states have no obligation to cooperate with unconstitutional federal laws, or in many cases, even constitutional federal laws. So in 1842, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in Prigg versus Pennsylvania that the feds had no power to force state governments to help capture fugitive slaves. Uh, they said the states cannot be compelled to enforce the Fugitive Slave Clause. Uh, that was uh, Justice Joseph Story writing for the majority. Uh, a number of more recent decisions, uh, including Prince versus the United States on gun control, upheld uh, this important legal principle. Now it's often referred to as the anti-commandeering doctrine, which is separate but related, where the federal government cannot tell the state, hey, you must help us enforce this um, unconstitutional federal law. The states have a right and a duty to say, no way, Jose. Same thing goes for sheriffs, right? That uh, Prince versus the United States was actually Sheriff Richard Mack and another sheriff who sued the U.S. government over the Brady Bunch control, <laughs> not the Brady Bunch, the Brady gun control bill, and they won, right? The federal government had no power to force sheriffs to enforce these unconstitutional laws. Uh, and, and setting aside all the uh, legal opinions and, and theories and all the rest of it, uh, in practice, liberals and conservatives have been nullifying things for a long time, going all the way back to the beginning of the American Republic. Uh, and today, you know, there's a lot of examples of liberals using this, right? Liberals will say, oh, conservatives can't nullify things, but we will nullify it, will, right? Uh, so take the marijuana laws, for example, right? Under uh, federal statute, which is, of course, unconstitutional, since the federal government has no power to ban plants, that's why they needed a, a constitutional amendment to ban alcohol, uh, 30 state governments uh, liberal, conservative, doesn't matter, have uh, nullified these federal statutes purporting to ban marijuana under any and all circumstances. Uh, over 30 states now have uh, state laws authorizing the use of marijuana for medicine, which is, again, illegal under unconstitutional federal statutes. Uh, they also, we now have over a dozen states that have made marijuana legal for recreational purposes, again, in open defiance, openly nullifying federal statutes. Now, whether smoking marijuana is a good idea or not, probably not, right? I wouldn't do it if I were you. But the fact is these states are entitled to nullify unconstitutional laws. They have done it. Even Attorney General Eric Holder was like, yeah, well, we can't really force him to, to do much about it, right? And he's a big time, big government. Federal government should run everything liberal, right? When he was Attorney General for Obama. Uh, we also have uh, 10 mostly liberal-leaning states that have also nullified uh, federal statutes and UN treaties by ending prohibition on recreational marijuana. So um, there you have it, folks. Uh, conservatives have been using nullification as well, right? In 2012, uh, the state of Alabama, unanimous decision, right? Every member of the legislature voted to nullify federal statutes and UN agreements on sustainable development and on Agenda 21. Uh, that was pretty amazing. Uh, the next year, Alabama lawmakers passed legislation declaring, quote, null and void all unconstitutional federal gun control schemes within that state. Uh, we have a lot of states now that have passed similar nullification laws where they said our gun rights are sacrosanct. You may not interfere with them and uh, you must uh, you know, keep your unconstitutional laws off of our guns and keep them out of our state. Uh, there's organizations that are working on this front, right? The 10th Amendment Center is a very important one. Uh, you know, and, and there's some discussion now about, uh, you know, the uh, the immigration issue, right? Because you have all these states declaring themselves to be sanctuary states. Well, you know, the power over naturalizing citizens is actually a federal authority, whether, you know, whether and how much uh, authority the federal government has over immigration is a question that uh, legitimate people and, and with legitimate differences of opinion can disagree on. But, um, you know, it's very clear that uh, you cannot nullify constitutional laws. You can nullify 
unconstitutional laws, and in fact, you should. And now this same uh, principle applies at the state level as well, right? If you have a rogue governor who is usurping all sorts of power that was never delegated to them under the state constitution, uh, your sheriffs and your police chiefs and your county commissions or your county uh, boards or whatever have a duty to interpose and to say no. And fortunately, we've been seeing that with sheriffs all across the country, right? Uh, gun control, the sheriffs say, well, we're not going to enforce that. Right, we saw that in Washington State recently. Everybody's got to put on a mask. Sheriff said, we're not going to enforce that. Everybody's got to shut down unless I, I, in my infinite wisdom, declare you to be essential. No, we're not going to enforce that. So we need sheriffs to continue doing this. Right, Sheriffs take an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution. They put their hand on the Bible, and they take an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of their state. Uh, that means they are duty-bound to interpose, to nullify unconstitutional edicts whether they come from the governor or the state legislature or the federal government itself. Now, uh, you know, you, you sometimes get Christians who misinterpret Romans 13 and say, oh, but you must obey the governor under all circumstances. Nope, sorry. Uh, there's a great book here called The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates. You should read it if you don't have a copy of it. You can get it at uh, shopjbs.org. Uh, phenomenal book about the biblical justification for nullification and uh, interposition by lesser magistrates. Okay. Um, there's so many examples in the Bible, going all the way back to the Old Testament, right? When uh, when Pharaoh told the Hebrew midwives they should kill all the uh, baby Hebrew boys, what did they say? Yes, master, we have to obey the government. Oh, wait, no, they didn't say that, right? They said, no, we're not going to kill those babies. Uh, when um, Nebuchadnezzar uh, ordered Daniel to uh, you know, where, you know, pass a law saying that Daniel wasn't uh, allowed, that nobody was allowed to pray to anyone except him, uh, what did Daniel do? He went and he opened up his window and started praying to God, right? He bowed down and he prayed to God. And so uh, what happened? Well, he defied the government, right? What happened when, uh, when uh, the, the three uh, Israelites, the three Hebrews were ordered to bow down to the giant statue, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, they refused, right? They said, no, sorry, we, we, we like you, emperor, and we'll obey you on other stuff, but we can't bow down and worship a big statue of you. You know, we're going to worship only God. And uh, so what happened, right? They got thrown into the fiery furnace. And guess what? They survived, right? So uh, so there's a long history of this, right? Of course, um, when uh, the apostles were told to quit preaching in Jesus' name, they said, hey, should, should we obey God or should we obey men, right? So yes, we do have to obey the government, but when the government is acting lawlessly, when the government is commanding people to do evil, when the government is, is going beyond its constitutional limitations, when the government is perpetrating evil upon people, uh, people have not only a right, but a duty to resist. So guys, one of the best tools we have to resist the deep state is our U.S. Constitution and this important principle of nullification. If the feds are out of control, our state should nullify that. If our state government is out of control, our county commission and our sheriff should nullify that. Uh, it's time to restore the rule of law in this country, and a big part of that is going to be to have these checks and balances come back into play so that the deep state's control of uh, certain areas of our government can be kept in check. That's all for today, folks. Thank you for watching Behind the Deep State. I'm Alex Newman. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, hit that little bell button so that it'll alert you when a video goes up because YouTube will never let you find this on your own. Uh, make sure you share it with your friends, email it, put it on social media, share it on social media, put it on other platforms, do whatever. Just help get the word out, guys. We are in a battle for the life of our republic and for our freedom. If we lose, it's going to be very unpleasant, but we can win, we must win, and it will be a great day indeed, folks. So thank you again, and God bless you all.